My name is Mike Shepard. I'm a producer. I want to get to know the artists in my new community. This is A Thousand Meals with a Thousand Artists. I'm Ben Bergeron, and I'm a filmmaker um, in Ottawa, Ontario. This week, I was back in Ottawa, and I had the pleasure of sitting down for some pub fare at Publico in Westboro region in Ottawa with Ben Bergeron. Ben is someone who I met only this past year as I was getting to know some of the different groups in Ottawa. Ben emailed me because we were both sponsoring another event, and he saw an early description of Soul One and thought, hey, we have some goals that align. I'm really glad he did because I've gotten to know Ben a bit over the past maybe year or so or six months or however long it's been. And we both do have a lot of goals in common. His work with Hot Shoot Productions and Youth Ottawa is to empower young filmmakers and young creators, give them more tools and opportunities. He does a lot of workshops, gives a lot of opportunities to young filmmakers to create work. Um, even though film is not something that I would say I have any sort of expertise in, I'm a lover of film. I've always enjoyed watching movies. I've always enjoyed talking about movies, debating them. Talking with Ben was really great. We chatted for quite a while. There's a lot that I did have to cut out of this episode, mainly for time, because I was trying to keep most of the conversations to around the same half hour or so. Ben and I talked a lot about the lack of sound stages in Ottawa and other communities and what that means and how that impacts professional film. We talk a lot about the needs and wants and what could be helpful for filmmakers in the community. All of that didn't really make it into this conversation because it's just all part of the research project that I'm doing of what sort of role can Soul One and myself play in this new community that we're in. I really enjoyed this conversation. I thought that we talked a lot about Ben's journey from making films before he even really took it seriously, as he says, to making his own movies, to going to high school and still making movies, to going to film school and now coming back to Ottawa. And even though he does a lot of work for the paycheck and needs to make sure he pays his bills, he finds time to create his art. And he's done a really good job of teaming up the work that he does with Hot Shoot Productions to help support the work that he does. He works hard for his clients, creating videos and helping to tell stories online to help promote and raise different levels of awareness. But then he also meets people, makes contacts, ends up working on film projects with them. His friend Colin, who he discusses, is a big part of his journey to make 12 short films this past year to kind of look back and say, here's a year of filmmaking from a couple of young filmmakers. 
So I was really glad we were able to sit down um, at this pub. We shared some pub fare um, as the weather starting to turn a little bit cooler in Ottawa, but it was great uh, to get out to talk to Ben. And I hope you do enjoy our conversation and that you'll learn a little bit more about what Ben's doing through Hot Shoot Productions. You can go on their website for more information about what they do and what services that they can offer, but also stay tuned as Ben is planning to do some screenings of the 12 short films that he did this past year, as well as some other projects that you'll see him work together with me and with Soul One over the next year. I've been making movies since, uh, really like since I was old enough to hold a camera. Um, but I first started to take it really seriously when I was about 14. Um, and I made a series of Spider-Man fan films. Um, wait, wait, hold on. Yes. At 14, you made a series of Spider-Man fan films? Yeah, so... <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta explain as I much as you can. I made seven altogether. Okay. Uh, so the shortest one is about eight minutes. The longest one is half an hour. Really? Which is probably about 25 minutes longer than it should have been. A half an hour? Yes. Can you, like... Just give me an idea of what the plot was. Like, what, yeah, what happened? Yeah, so well, I, I adapted a lot of my favorite storylines from the comics, right? So I started out doing the origin story. Um, then I wanted to actually start with the chameleon, who's a classic Spider-Man villain, who can, like, he can he wears different masks and disguises, and he impersonates different characters. Um, and then what I did next was Craven the Hunter, who's traditionally his brother. Yes. Um, and then... From there, I went for more like thug villains. So I did the Shocker, I did Sandman. Um, I brought Chameleon back for one because uh, I'd kind of set up in the one with Craven the Hunter that he would come back for revenge later. So I how did you brought it back? Do Sandman? <laughs> like uh, the last one I did Venom. How did you do? Okay. Yeah. How did you do either of them? Sandman, okay. Venom. Like how did you do that? So. My ever-suffering friend James, who I made so many films with, uh, played Sandman, and yes. yeah. So I covered this like block of, I think it was, I forget it was cardboard or balsa wood in sandpaper, and so we had this one very janky cut where it, like match cuts from my friend making a fist yeah. to he's got the, the block on. It's like the hammer made out of sand now. <laughs> Um, we also I love it. <laughs> we did it in the winter unintentionally because it started snowing. And right. So we had to dig through all the snow to get this pile of sand. I'm like, there's, you know, he would like throw sand at me while I was on the other side of the camera um, and stuff like that. I just, yeah, that's creative. That's creative. I mean, this is this is you saying because you said the words you use were. You started doing it seriously at 14, yes. right, and, and did these campaigns. But, like, what what was not serious before um, 14? Like, you were just yeah. kind of pulling around? Or I think before that, I wasn't trying to make anything that would, like, retain an audience. I wasn't trying to edit things. I wasn't really, like, thinking about creative decisions. I was more just pointing the camera at things. Cool. That's Whereas, cool. Yeah. That first Spider-Man fan film, I really was like, the first time I thought about, like, these are the shots I want. And I was trying to take it seriously. Uh, it's very unintentionally funny for a lot of reasons, but... And how old are you now? Again? 24. Okay, so for 10 years, yeah. you've been making films seriously, but, but before that, even before 14, you were fiddling around with making movies. Yeah, I made a bunch of little, like, Lego Star Wars stop-motion things. Okay, cool. Uh, before that, I was doing... Uh, just filming my, me and my brother doing whatever. 
Um, the only short I've seen of yours you're in. Are you in most of your movies? Um, I started out, so it's funny, I really just wanted to write originally. Yeah. Um, and then I very quickly realized that if I was going to get anything made, no one was going to make it for me, so I had to do everything myself. So I started doing my I've own acting, <laughs> uh, directing, shooting, all that. But um, I haven't... The last uh, the film you've seen that I did recently, that was the first time I had acted in a very long time. Um, so generally I, I like to write and edit, but I don't really like to act. Uh, and when possible, I want to avoid doing any of the camera work also. Um, so that's why I have my friend Colin who kind of tackles camera, lighting, and, uh, you know, I know about that stuff, but at the same time, it's like, I don't want to have to worry about it. I've learned this year from producing so many short films back to back. Yeah, it was very nice when I had a month where I didn't also have to direct. So let's name it 12, like, yes. or you will. By the end of this year, yeah. you will have 12 short films yeah. that you did one a month for a year. So that's as back to back as you can get. Yes. Like, I will, even though they're short films, how, how long do they take on average? How long would you think uh, everything from filming, conceptualizing it, filming it, editing it, how, much, how long does it take? Um, I would say out of a month, it's about at least a week's time. Okay, that we invest, at least like, a week okay. yeah. of non-stop working on it. Yeah, um, if we were to put it that way, like, obviously I'm working around my job. That's a factor um, yeah. in why it's not always week back to back. But if I were to do all the work like that, it would be a week each, probably. Uh, and it's really helpful to, to have a partner in that. I mean... Yeah, so talk about that relationship. Like, you and Colin, like, what... You, you say he handles kind of all the camera stuff. So, so what are, what's the separation of duties? Does it change from from film to film, or, or like do you swap certain things, or how does that work? I would kind of opted that we're both the producers, okay. and then I focus on directing, and he focuses on cinematography. Um, so you know, I'll tell him like what the shot is, but I'll trust him to like use the right exposure settings and the right lights to get that shot. Um, but typically, he's stuck to that. Um, I've transitioned into, you know, producing on some of the, on, so, on a couple of films that were directed by other people, as well, um, there was two that I ended up shooting, um, one of them I shot all of, and the other one I shot all of the flashback sequences that we shot on a certain okay. day. Okay, okay. So um, you're, you are swapping a bit then, depending yeah. on Yeah, uh, well, it's typically because Colin's unavailable, <laughs> yeah. or something yeah. comes up. Um, yeah. The flashback sequences that we shot for our short film crashed. Um, I ended up doing because he just was super sick the day we wanted to shoot yeah, it, yeah. Uh, and we were shooting in a cave. And I was like, "Yeah, you just stay home. I'll figure this out." I knew what the shots were, and we got it done. Um, and then the other one we actually shot under Bay, and he couldn't come with me because he had to stay home and run our production company. So he actually edited that one. You shot some one of your short films in Thunder Bay. Yeah. Like on purpose? Yeah. Or like were you there anyway? On purpose. You went there yeah. to shoot your... Talk about location. Yeah. Uh, so I went to college there. Okay. Um, so you knew of areas you wanted. Yeah. And beyond that, my, my prof was very uh, accommodating and said, hey, in the summer, if you want to come up and just use the gear and make a short film, yeah. you can do it. That's so cool. That's uh, so cool. So I arranged to come up for a week yeah. um, and we shot for about a day and a half to just get all the whole film together. The act of getting to Thunder Bay was so challenging. Uh, thankfully, I went 
with my roommate David, who also acted in the movie. Okay. Uh, so we could alternate driving. Driving, yeah, it's a long drive. Uh, yeah. But we drove all the way there and all the way back, wow. each in one day. Yeah, it's it's interesting talking about how far you'll go physically, apparently, yeah. for your for your craft. Because oh my god. Also, so you told me, you know, that you're funding these films yourself. Yeah. Like you're doing this on. You've got your production company. That, that you and Colin both work for, right? Like, yeah. Oh, shoot, both Which did it. make things a lot easier in terms of, of scheduling because... Of course. Um, I knew when he had work and he, and he knew when I had work, so we were able to schedule a lot more efficiently. And you've got your job and you've got your projects and you've got your clients that you have to work on there. And you're doing this on the side. Yeah. And, you're, I mean, it's all part of the same thing. It's all part of your craft. The sacrifice we make for our art is you're giving up your time, yeah. your own money... And you're driving to Thunder Bay to, yeah. to complete this series of short films to build up to do your next projects, right? Yeah. Like, it's going to keep going and going. So the big thing was, um, we went to the Digi60 Filmmakers Festival last year, Colin and I, and we had only known each other for a few months at that point. What, what, which is the film festival? Uh, the Digi60 Festival. Okay, so, Can tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. It's a 60-day challenge, so you have 60 days to turn around a, a short film. And then all the winners, all the, uh, the the people who complete the challenge get screened together, and there's some prizes and connections that come out of it. Um, and it's kind of the cool. the <laughs> most known, like anyone can sign up kind of film festival. And where is that? Right, right here in Ottawa. It's in Ottawa. Yeah, that'll and be in December screening annually. Yeah. And this is a little different than the one that you told me about that like ev- that once once a month at the end of yeah. the month. Yeah. So Kino is once a month. Kino. Okay. Uh, Kino's a lot more like casual, just kind of. It's more of just a screening. Yeah. Um, and it's it's very you know open and anyone can come. Digi sixty is like you pay a fee to join the the challenge and there's prizes and it's only once a year and you have twice as long to make your films. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. And uh, they're a bit stricter on theme and things like that. Okay, so you have some guidelines that you have to follow yeah. in order to qualify. For. Yeah. Um, but basically what Vince, who runs Kino, kind of told me is that the theme for him is more so to, like, push those people who, like, are like, ah, maybe I'll do something to, like, at least give them something to start with, and then they can push forward. So he always says, you know, follow the theme or don't. Or don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's good. That's very loose. Uh, but I was actually, it's funny, I was actually involved in starting Kino up a few years back. Oh, really? Yeah. So I was, uh, you know, just graduated film school. Came back to Ottawa, wasn't really sure what the film scene was like here and all. Um, because, you know, despite all the films I've been making in high school, I've never done anything with them other than put them on YouTube. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So I started kind of exploring the options there. And, um, uh, yeah, I met these two ladies who were starting up um, Kino, which is basically a global thing uh, that you can kind of, it's a format of festival you can have. And it happens all over the world. So I don't know if everyone does it monthly or not. But they were getting that started, and they were like, hey, we can do some volunteers for our committee. So I was actually the first volunteer to sign up. I was the technician of all the AV equipment yeah. uh, for the first year or so until COVID. And so it was kind of nice when I came back, and I hadn't been... It, Vincent had it going for about a year since he revived it. Um, and then I got involved again uh, make, by making films uh, as opposed to volunteering. And that was, that was good to get involved again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it. it's nice to do a little bit of both, right? Yeah. Do a bit of tech stuff here and there, volunteer, get to know people, but then, you know. And then, of course, in that time in between, I kind of 
got my company going and didn't really have the capacity to like be on committee. So. And tell me a little bit about the like hot shoot. Yeah. Specifically, like, talk a little bit about what you do there, uh, where the name came from, uh, <laughs> where it did its involvement in the community. Sure thing. So yeah, uh, I'm the creative director of Hotshoe, which is a position I've held since uh, 2020. So basically, um, Youth Ottawa and the Social Planning Council of Ottawa, which are two larger nonprofits, have kind of in 2015 banded together to create a video training program for youth called Youth Active Media. And I was one of the youth in that program, so that was kind of the first time I'd ever made a film with other people helping me who were just my friends who were dragged along or whatever. Um, so yeah, I made, I got to spend a week-long summer camp where I made a film, and then I actually got recruited into uh, what was then called the advanced group, where we got paid to, to make video products for a few different charities. Right, okay. Um, so that was my mentor, Pixie, who kind of developed what was the prototype of Hashu. Um at the time, it was those charities got the videos for free. You know, it was on a grant to pay these youth to do it. They were charities that probably wouldn't have ordinarily been able to afford a video. And so that was kind of what the opportunity there had been. Um, anyway, so after I did that, I ended up going to film school. And I came back and I, I emailed um, what had at that point been rebranded as Hashi Productions. Um, and basically, what I ended up kind of getting pulled into was that you know, we've got this idea for a program. We ran out of funding after three years. We don't know what to do with it to make money now. Um, we don't know how to train people to work professionally. And I said, well, I'm 20 years old. I've come right out of film school. Um, I think I can figure this out. Do you want to hire me? And uh, luckily enough, yeah, they took me up on that. And of course, that had the double-edged sword of within about six weeks of me getting the position, we went into a global pandemic and everything shut down. <laughs> yes, as... As it does. Yes. I, I'm sure a lot of people have similar stories. Yes. Right. I started trying to figure things out. Um, I spent about two years doing live streaming, um, lots and lots of live streaming for various clients. Yeah. Uh, youth Ottawa brought me on mm -hmm. around the same time to develop their Youth Active Media program. Yeah. You know, it was very interesting having been in the program back when it was just the summer camp run in libraries and uh, now being like, oh, you have to go into a public school and present to this classroom of 30 kids and figure it out. Yeah. And we've done all right with it and I've really enjoyed kind of finding that additional aspect of myself that I, you know, always kind of knew was there but never like had fully thought of as a career path, which yeah. was that I love working with young people and training them and giving them the opportunity to kind of do something they're passionate about. You do a lot of workshops as well, right? Yeah, so yeah. we run workshops, uh, and we have a partnership with the school board where we come in and you know work with classes to develop video projects. Um, it's been really successful in the alternate schools. So Frederick Banting, we're running one there right now. Richard Fath has done really well, um, and we're lining one up as well for Elizabeth Winwood uh, January. So very cool. The alternate schools is a really great platform for it because. They can kind of commit to, oh, this is a film credit that right. these kids are doing. Yeah. And they get these community partners who are going to help them. You know, you just get to make a film, and that's your credit. As a filmmaker, how important is it when you're starting out to be able to do all those other things? Because when you get to a certain level, you're often not editing or being your own cinematographer. And I was like, like, how important is that? Like, is that crucial? Can you do it? Can you become a film director if you have an eye for it or a writer? 
and you write your films and you want to direct them without understanding fully those other areas? I don't think so. Okay. I think you need to learn every aspect of production okay. from end to end. Good to um, so, you know, I always had to do everything myself. Then I went to college where I kind of learned the right way to do things. And then, you know, I ran my own company and learned how to make things work when you don't have that kind of financial backing behind you that you would get on, you know, a bigger set, which yes. is kind of what we were taught in college is how to how to become a crew member on a bigger set. Right. Yeah. So you found that useful still. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And beyond all that, I got to direct three of my own short films because the way we learned how to be crew members was by everyone has to make a short film every semester. I found theater school not very helpful. Now, I am not academically strong. I've never been academically strong. Never. I had a professor in university who was the head of the drama department returned a paper to me, like a big, big essay. And he said in front of the whole class, Mike, you might produce on Broadway one day, but you're never going to write the great American novel. And then he handed back my paper and it was back. Because I'm not, I'm, I just don't think that way. Right. I'm not that long form editing, writing that type of person. So I found school as a way to make contacts and yeah. to experiment. Definitely agree with that. And they did teach me some skills. Like I won't yeah. say it was completely useless, but I, if I hadn't been running my own theater company at the same time as going to theater school, I don't think I would have gotten the same thing out right. of it. I think having that practical thing yeah. is really important to me and is helpful to my own education. Yeah. I think if I hadn't gone on to run my own company right after school, I also, you know, that was the second the half of my education. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, would you agree that it's good to have that balance? You've got the education, but yeah. the practical, you've got to have both. Absolutely. Yeah. I And I think... Yeah, I, th I think that, you know, you touched on school being really great for contacts there, and I really yeah. agree with that. Yeah. Um, like, I know Colin entirely because of the college I went to. Right. So he went to, to Canada College in North Bay. Okay. Um, and I went to Confederation College in Thunder Bay. But um, it just so happened that my friend John, who was in my college program, um, went to high school with Colin. And oh, cool. so last year when I was the first assistant director on a friend of mine's feature film, we were hiring out crew. Um, my friend John came up to be the script supervisor, and he said, hey, do you need a camera assistant? <laughs> and that's how I met Colin. I was like, oh, you live in Ottawa? Oh, you're looking for work? Great. I guess you work for me now. It's it's so interesting how that can yeah. happen. But you never know. And that's, again, I, so I went to Queen's University in, in Kingston. And it's a very liberal arts school. Like, it's very focused on the academic side of arts. Right. A lot of the classes you take are more theory, a lot of history, and a lot of essay writing, those types of things. But the department is very, like, supportive of, of the things you do, whether it be to help with crew. They, they have a lot of spaces. You can rent the spaces, do your own things. And people are very willing there. Yeah. And Queens was one of those places that Kingston's so small. But I think, I think there's more theater companies in Kingston. Than because of Ottawa Queens. because of Queens. That makes sense. Because everyone just starts their own yeah. thing to experiment, right? I like to know from people kind of what's next for them, right? But not in a like immediately next thing. It's like what? Where's where's things going? Like you're only 24, so you always got a lot of time. But like, where is this all going for you? Like where where? Where do you see the next couple of years? What are some of your goals, your hopes, your dreams? 
what what's next? What what does success look like for you? I appreciate the reminder that I'm still young because you I am are. horrible, horrible for always feeling like I don't have time to do these things later. You are entering what I would call the third of three sections of youth. Yeah. So you've got high school, university, college age, like you know, you basically you're pre pre I will say pre nineteen, then you're like twenty to twenty four. And then you're 24 to, to 30. You're 29. You're just entering the third stage. But as far as I'm concerned, you're still considered a youth until 29. Yeah. Once you turn 30, you're not. But you're to me, you're entering emerging artist. You're exiting, you know, youth, and you're entering emerging artist, but still part of the youth framework. So you have tons of time. You're you're 12 years behind me. So as far as I'm concerned, that's a lot of time. But I think the next couple of years could be really interesting. Yeah. You know, to me, there, there's six years here that, that could dictate the rest of your life. Not to scare you. But, but it's interesting to know your thoughts on those yeah. things. Because I'm sure you're thinking about it. You're someone who thought enough to plan out a year of 12 films and want to do a screening and want to do a feature. So obviously you plan a little bit. Yeah. Because you have that. So what are your plans? What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I'll share by kind of just talking about what my mindset used to be. Um, so yeah, so when I was, um, you know, in college, I was very determined that the first thing I was going to do when I graduated was put together a feature. Um, like I was, I was close too. I had a script. I was like moving towards shooting that summer. But what I realized was that my plan for how I was going to do that was very much dependent on my entire class rallying behind me and deciding, yeah, this is the guy whose idea we want to back and spend a month working on a movie for free for. Right. And I had a bit of a reality check. Um, and that actually like led me back to, to doing youth work and kind of getting into that space, which ended up you know helping me get back into film. Um, but yeah, so basically I had this mentality because of the age I was um, that, oh, Sam Raimi, who's one of my favorite directors, directed his first feature film, The Evil Dead, at age 20. So I have to do the same thing, or better. Right. Um, and I turned 20 when I graduated, so I was like, it's time, we gotta go. And, you know, obviously I was very not ready. Um, but then, you know, also the more I researched The Evil Dead and the production of it, the more it was like, and the more I rewatched it and realized how many mistakes are in it, the more I realized like that was his first try. And uh, there's a lot of stuff he did wrong. And one of the things he did wrong was apparently it was a terrible set to be on. Um, and I'm like, is that the environment I want to create for myself and everyone around me? Uh, so what I kind of did was I, I took a step back. I started writing the scripts for a feature I wanted for the next year. Then it was COVID. Then I was busy with work the next two years. And then, you know, I come to, to this year where I decided to do the Fall Tales project, and I decided, you know, the next year I want to make my feature film. Right. Um, and yeah, so I want to do that next year, but I'm kind of coming at this with the perspective now of if it doesn't happen next year, you know, it'll happen eventually. I still kept working on it through all these setbacks. Um, and it's okay for me that that happens, you know, 25 or 36 or whenever um, you know it's going to happen yeah you're going to make your feature doesn't matter when it happens because you know you're going to do it yeah 
But, um, you know, if all goes according to plan, I would love to wrap that feature up in the next, um, like by the end of 2025, so I think in the next two years. And uh, from there, I would love to, you know, apply for, get, get the word out there, get sent it to some festivals, kind of sell it to the point, maybe get a distributor where we get the opportunity to do another one. Um, and then with that one, I'm more open to, like, maybe it's someone else's story. Right. Um, you know, maybe I'm just doing this as work for hire, but I want to take it to the level where I get to direct a film house as work for hire. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, and I guess the other plan I have is I want to actually get back to my original vision of what I wanted to do, and I'm going to sit down and write a book. Very cool. Uh, so, yeah, I have a, a fantasy fiction idea I've been sitting on for a long time that I would love to make as a movie, but if the money never comes for that, why not write the book? And you could, uh, then you could always adapt it later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I would love to do that. And beyond all that, I think it would be really good after doing this feature film that is going to be very hard yes. and is going to involve pulling a lot of favors from other people and involve working with a lot of other people and spending a lot of money. It would be really nice to go into a project where it's just me typing at my desk. Yeah, I mean, it makes me feel any better the first, like, five years of running a theater company is pulling favors from people. So yeah. it's, uh, it's an understandable thing. But I think that's really cool. That's really cool to, you know, you finish your short films, make a feature, then maybe take a step back, write your book, see where things go. You don't know what opportunities will come your way. You sound like you're an open person to seeing where things go. But, yeah, I think that's really great goal. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, I think, the next few years I've got in mind, but we'll see exactly what takes shape. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. I am open to that going a variety of ways. A Thousand Meals with a Thousand Artists is a project of Soul One Arts Inc. Produced and edited by me, Mike Shepard. Original music by Savannah Shea. Thank you to this week's artists and the local restaurants who host us. For more on A Thousand Meals with a Thousand Artists and Soul One, please visit soulonearts.ca. If you're an artist, feel free to reach out to us on our website and connect for your own meal. Thank you for listening.